Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 221. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. And I'm tired of Morales this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Yes, I yes am. you are. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, we talk about a plague tale innocence and human fall flat. And in the gaming news, God Galaxy aims to bring all game platforms from PC and console under one roof. That... That is mind-blowing. And there's a new Steam Chat app that debuts, and we have a lot to talk about. Good and bad, but mostly bad. And in the discussion Good topic... land. It is, okay, is it okay to play on easy mode? We have quite the discussion. I forget if we have a come to conclusion, but you'll, you can find out right here on the Intergamer Podcast. We do come to and, and it's epic. According to Brett, we, we come to conclusion. <laughs> An epic conclusion? And Austin, you the music. Welcome to the It is May 29th, 2019. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we love for you to donate to make the show better, and we'll give you some awesome goodies along the way for as little as $5. That is one Abe Lincoln dollar bill. I believe Abe Lincoln's on the $5 bill. That is all you need is little Abe Lincoln. You can help support the show, and we can help bring you the highest quality content each and every week, and uh, that's awesome. In addition, if you are listening to this, as you may know, this is a day late. I'm sorry, it happens. I was traveling and I was out of town, and that happened. So it's all my fault. It and wasn't Austin's fault. I was, it was working. All my fault. Quite a bit. Austin was working too much. He was saving people's lives, putting out fires, all that stuff. And now I'm exhausted. <laughs> and now he's exhausted. <laughs> I don't want to be here, Brett. <laughs> like I know how we talk about how we're always tired. Well, I'm like way more tired than I than we usually are on the podcast. Just saying. Let's really. It's really funny because when people listen to this, they're going to hear this part and be like, wow, these guys are really boring. And then they're going to hear the gaming news segment, which was recorded like three days ago. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, man, there's so much energy. Bear with That'd us, guys. So okay, bear with us. Bear we're, we're, with us. We're working men and we do this in our spare time. So we do what we can to, to keep the energy high. But as you know, we just but work too much. if you donate to us, it'll allow us to have to work on our day jobs less so we can do this more and make the content better for you. So go to theinnergamer.net and click that donate button to contribute. With that, let's talk about some video. Actually, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. If y'all are in Dallas-Fort Worth, we are not doing an event. Actually, there's an event tonight, but by the time you listen to this podcast, chances are the event will be over. But this weekend, if y'all are in Dallas, we will be at DreamHack Dallas. You need to come there. It is a BYOC, bring your own computer land party. It's a bunch of tournaments. There's going to be a Smash tournament. There's going to be a CSGO tournament. There's all these different tournaments, tons of prize money. There's going to be a indie game area, expo hall where you can get all kinds of goodies and stuff like that. A tabletop area, EDM night with freaking live music. There's going to be a metal night where you can listen to metal music. I mean, it's freaking crazy. We're going to be there representing. You should be there too. Come join us. And all the tournaments are like a dollar to enter. You just have to pay to get in. Isn't that cool, Austin? Uh, hell yeah. But you have to have a ticket to get into tournaments for a dollar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so you just have to have a ticket to get in. But um, yeah, so, and then after that, everything's a dollar. I think the ticket's like 30 or $40, something like that. But 
once you're in, everything's a dollar to participate. So it's a 24 Go hour crazy. festival for three days. Like, what more could you want? Holy shit. Dude, you know, you said you're tired now. I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm about to be off for three weeks. So I'll have plenty so you of have time. plenty of time to sleep in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I plan on it. All right, so let's talk about some video games. Austin, you've been playing this new game that I was very intrigued by That when it was announced at, what, E3? or the? I think it was two what, years it ago. It was E3, no, I believe. Was it E3? And I think it was also revealed at, like, the Game Awards or something like that, maybe. Yeah, they've been know. getting their press out there kind of so, so slowly but surely. And uh, yeah. it definitely, the way, it, it, it's definitely like a sinuous sacrifice type game. So what is this game? Tell it, me this game. You follow the Grim Tell of young uh, no, Amicia. What is the game called? We haven't talked oh, about oh, the sorry. game yet. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm tired. <laughs> Playing <laughs> Tell Innocence, and it's by Focus Home Entertainment, which has not made a game in a while. If Well, no, they, they, they do. They do. Just not games that I play. They made uh, Call of Cthulhu, Vampire, and that's V-A-M-P, yeah, Y-R, and Surge. Wait, wait, wait. Did they publish that or they made it? I guess the they Vampire it. was made by Don't Not Entertainment. Yes, you're right. They published it. My bad. My bad. I have misspoken. Interesting. Yep. Well, I didn't yep. realize they had their name on all those titles. That's yep. pretty cool. I forgot what so, games they made in the past, see. but it's not the first time I've heard, I've heard of them. Yeah, this was developed by Azobo Studio. It's a weird name, but you know. Azobo Studio. To each their own. That is weird. To each their own. Now, now well, can I talk about the synopsis here? Yeah, you can totally talk about <laughs> okay, the Okay, sweet. Thanks, man. Okay, follow the grim tale of young Amicia and her little brother Hugo in a heart-trending, uh, heart uh, heart-rending journey through the darkest hours of history, haunted by, hunted by Inquisition soldiers and surrounded by unstoppable swarms of rats, Amicia and Hugo will come to know and trust each other. As they struggle to survive against overwhelming odds, they will fight to find purpose in this brutal, unforgiving world. And so you start off as, like, getting to know the character, and, you know, usually the first mission's kind of, like, bullshit, right? Like, just like, oh, mm-hmm. here, here's how you do this. Hey, here's how you do that. Here's some story bits just to kind of get us through this really grindy part of, you know of just getting into everything. And I, I think they did it pretty well because it's like you and your dad, you, uh, your dad's like a Lord, um, of like a very kind of a rich, rich guy. I think he's a Lord or something. I can't remember right now. He's and a wealthy man. He is very wealthy sense. and he has some clout. So like people know you, right. And, uh, you get to, you know, they have some really good interactions and, for some reason, with these games made in Europe and stuff, they have great storytelling people on their in their studios, and they do just such a good job with like setting up the characters with the dialogue, and then getting people who can fill the characters <laughs> and really portray them through vocal acting. And I'm just blown away because usually I'm just like, all right, let's just get through this first mission so I can, you know, hopefully get to some better parts of the game and right off the bat I was like this is good and it really it sets up um, the whole story for like the rats because there's a bunch of rats that come out and you don't know why they're there yet and I still don't know why they're there I haven't got uh, to the end of the game yet and they still they, they really don't say too much about the rats it's just kind of like this this world building scary like 
um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Thriller? No. It's like they, they, they add these obstacles in your path that really make you um, not want to get eaten by them because they swarm you if you get in the dark, right? And that's pretty brutal. Suspense <laughs> moments? Yeah, there's a lot of suspense moments. Okay. Yeah. I got the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh and so, like, I'm really impressed with this game. It's it's really grown on me. Uh, it's very sinuous sacrifice, like I was saying before. Um, there's not a lot of game mechanics to it. It's more of a puzzle-solving uh, game. But it does take a step further from sinuous sacrifice, which it allows you to upgrade certain things. And you do have an attack that... Uh, that So you have a slingshot, right, which is your main form of attack. And you start off with just rocks, and then you go from there to uh, be able to do, like, you, you learn how to do alchemy, so you can make, like, fire-starting explosives. That's not, like, it's not a big explosive. It's just enough to start a fire somewhere. So it kind of helps you get through the, the swarms of rats, and then you get other uh, concoctions along the way that help you, like, take care of soldiers that are armed and stuff. So, like, with that, it's, like, really opens up this whole other aspect, which makes this game so much better Continuous sacrifice is great, but like you know, you only have an attack, and you know, not many things you can really do. Uh, the story was so good in that game that it didn't really matter. But with this, it's like there's more, there's more thinking involved. You know, you don't just go in there, you know, uh, hack and slash, and then get to the next story bit. It's like, okay, right. I got to think about this. How am I going to get through this swarm? What are the elements in the world that I can use to my advantage? And then you have to sneak around guards and stuff because one hit, you're dead. And, you know, there's, there's like there's so many threats and you feel the pain and you feel the weight of trying to survive in this really cruel world that, um, you know, you used to have everything and now you have nothing. And so you have to take your brother who has some kind of sickness that you're trying to cure uh, and also find out why your parents were killed. And so there's all this stuff that like really a lot of questions that that really don't get answered, but it just, it helps pull the story along. Cause you have a, you have one singular goal. Uh, and I don't think you get that a lot in these games, especially triple A games. Like this is a triple I game and I highly recommend it for everybody. Now yeah. questions, Brett. That's super interesting. Yeah. So I'm looking at, I've been looking up uh, about this studio as you've been talking about it and they, I'm curious to know where the, where this came from because you know, this isn't a, you know, mainstream kind of title. It's very much off the beaten path a little bit. And the fact that they were giving, like, given funding and stuff like that to be able to produce something that is kind of off the beaten path a little bit is kind of interesting because it looks like they worked on, like, they worked on the HoloLens with Microsoft a little bit, which is interesting. And then they're a French developer. They worked on Connect a little bit. They created the game Feel, uh, they work with Pixar on some stuff, and then they also worked on the Crew One and Two, which is interesting. They didn't develop it, but they were like a sub, you know, like a support studio for them. So they've had their hands on like a lot of different types of games. Oh, they like they, they helped with uh, Quantum Break. Quantum Break, yeah, Holy Quantum crap. Break and stuff like that. So there's there's some interesting things that they've they've worked on, both movies and TV shows. And I'm like, or not movie uh, TV shows, but like movies, games. Well, I guess not movies, games particularly, because I guess these are all games here, like Connect Rush and 
uh, they worked on Recore. Like, it's, it's pretty interesting. They've had their hand in a lot of stuff. So I'm just curious to know where this came from because this looks to be like their first actual uh, mainline. Well, I guess they made a game called Fragments that was for, looks like it's for the HoloLens. But again, the HoloLens doesn't have full development acceptance yet. But this is their first like mainline IP. And um, it's done well. I mean, it's reviewed well and everything. So that's been kind of exciting. Um, yeah, I, I, really I didn't know. What did you say? I really want to play it. This looks like my kind of game. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of thought you have to put into it. But I mean, it's more of like a stealth game uh, more than anything. And uh, it just helps. I mean, the, the world building and then the setup and the character development along with delivery. It's just like it is it is triple a you know well this is what triple a should be um i guess if it was an actual triple a game they're probably more fighting and more game mechanics than they have in this game which now that i put in apparently i put in five hours but so much has happened in this game i thought i put in more than that uh i'm not sure where i am in the full let's see uh overarching story yeah it looks like. How are the graphics? Do they fare pretty well? What oh, are you man. playing it on again? I'm playing on PC. Okay. So yeah, it, the graphics are amazing in this game. Okay. Like it is just is on par with Sinuous Sacrifice. Have you played that gotcha. yet? I can't remember. I have not yet. No. Okay. Yeah, like that. Those graphics are. I, I'm surprised. You know, uh, an indie studio that's not AAA can get something like that. But when you have people who yeah. are dedicated to a game and really believe in it and can be focused and don't have, don't focus on just getting money. Like they can do some pretty incredible things, which we've seen in the past and we see with this game. Right. Uh, right. I think I'm on chapter eight. So I'm like halfway through this game. So this might be like a okay. 10 hour game. Hmm. <clears throat> At least so have you noticed any repetitiveness in the gameplay yeah. or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, so that's okay. I got to the part where five hours in, I'm kind of like, all right, I've done this. You know, there's not, there hasn't been any like huge big reveals that make me want to continue forward. But I am curious to know like what happens to these characters. And um, so I'm, I, I don't know how I feel for the rest of this game, but so far it's been pretty good. And just now it's getting repetitive. I'm like, all right, what's happening here? <laughs> because there's not it a lot seems... of mechanics, right? So it's like right. the same thing over and over. And, you know, you get cool new uh, add-ons to your uh, to your slingshot. So, like, one example is if you come up against an armored soldier with a helmet on, you can shoot this, I don't know what it's called, some kind of, like, burning powder. And so they take off their helmet, and then you use your rock, the rocks that you have, and you hit them in the in the head, so like David and Goliath, and then you kill them. So that's how you take care of enemies, or you can just sneak around them. So you do kill people. Yeah, you do you kill people, to, but you don't have to. Nope, you do not cool. have to. I think some points that you you just have to have to, but it's it's nice. I mean, you make they make you oh that the relationship between uh, Hugo and Amicia because they're brother and sister. It's like they start off rocky, but then they come close together, kind of like God of War. And um, I really enjoyed that because there's a lot of like humanizing stuff. And <laughs> the the way that they've designed these characters, uh, it, they just like, it's perfect, man. And like the vo- the the way the animations too, it's like, man, I mean, this, this is almost a masterpiece. We'll see how it I'm is curi- when it ends. I'm curious to know, had this game come out 
before God of War, if people would have been more on like like excited about this game. You know what I mean? Like had it had it existed prior to God of War and the talent the storytelling that that one had, if this had just dropped and was like, "Hey, check this game out." If people would have been like, "Damn, this is really really good," as opposed to comparing it to God of War, you know what I mean? Right. Like having that mentality a little bit because it does seem similar with that, you know, that family relationship and it's very much more of a personalized story and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it seems cool. I mean, it's it's got a lot of good-looking gameplay elements. Like I I've seen the graphics look really good. I'm definitely going to pick this one up and give it a try cuz I like to um give it a go and uh yeah, just get a feel for for how it is. Um it seems like a game that I would enjoy. It's not not too long, which is good. It's not too crazy complicated. Um so, yeah. Um I'm down with this. Yeah, man. I highly recommend it. I think it should be on everyone's uh game list right now. I don't think it's I think it's 45 on Steam. That's probably not, not that much everywhere else. Let me take a look. Yeah, I think quick it's available everybody. on everything. I believe you can get on like Xbox and all yeah, of the platforms, I'm pretty sure. It's $45. So Look at that. It's not even a full price game. They had Sean Bean do like a trailer thing for him. I don't know why he's on here, but awesome. Like, I'm glad they got him. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Yeah. But I mean, hey, it's somebody that you're like, check this guy out. You'll know this dude. Right, right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pick it up and give it a go, and so should everybody else. According to Steam, it's got... Actually, even on freaking Metacritic, it's got 81% right now. That's pretty damn good. I mean, yep. for Metacritic, especially. I mean, it's a, um, it's a good refresh. and It's definitely in the in the class of God of War without all yeah. the action and mechanics. Even user reviews gave it 8.7 out of 10. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Impressive. All right, cool. I want to pick that up. Um... So I've been playing a lot of like older games because I've been traveling a lot. I was in Chicago and did a lot of visiting of things in real life stuff. But in that time of traveling, I was playing some Super Smash Brothers and unlocked about 10 new characters. So I'm getting closer to the end. And I played uh, some more Let's Go Pikachu and got further in that. But I also played Human Fall Flat, which has been around for a while but I at least want to talk about it briefly just to explain what it's like on the Switch. Not really made as well for the Switch as it is in other platforms, especially when you're playing handheld because the finger controls, it requires you to use both joysticks. And as we all know with the Switch, using the right joystick on the, on, you know, um, handheld is not the most comfortable thing in the world, but it's still a pretty cool game. It's like Gang Beast, but you're doing puzzles trying to get from point A to point B. And you're this little idiotic little rubber bandy character that's climbing around and trying to get up on top of things and hoisting yourself up using physics and flopping around everywhere. And it's just really, really weird. But the world is really cool and interesting and surreal looking. And you can play it with co-op for two players or up to eight online, which is interesting. So I think this will be a really fun like game to have on hand for people to play at our events and stuff, just to have two people sit there and just like goof around and do stupid things and have people spectate and watch. I think it'd be entertaining for both parties, the spectator and the watcher. 
and um, maybe even streaming with this because they're adding new levels here pretty soon and they're adding a public workshop where I think people can make their own maps. Um, so that's pretty sweet. And uh, Very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff coming with this, but I liked it. I mean, it was like $14.99, so it's cheap. And um, it it's just seems really interesting and awesome and zany, just like Game Beast. <laughs> and I'm a fan. I know. Game Beast is awesome. Anything that's oh, like yeah. Game Beast, I, I'm down for. Yeah. Have you played this yet? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I played the, the intro levels, I guess. I didn't get very far because uh, I think it's a little more fun to play with people. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah, I think we'll need to get together, and this could be like a stream or something like that one night and just get a couple of us to download it, and we'll stream it for like three hours and see what happens. Because oh, Lord. We would die a lot. And, oh, Lord. You know, and I think this would be one we'd have to like be in person for and just like really, really go crazy. Well, I will say I did not like it on the Switch. Yeah, I think it would be like, was it because of controls or was it because yeah, of yeah, the performance? Yeah, well, and then uh, it's a little slow, I felt like, in some places. Maybe they fixed it by now. I don't know. We got it pretty early on. Actually, I think we got it last year. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I just bought it a couple weeks ago. But okay. um, it's it's definitely it, it seems like it could be that way, but I think I think it's mostly the controls. I think if we got it on um, if we use like GameCube controller or whatever, or just the Pro controller, I bet it'd be a lot better experience. <coughs> yeah, it just felt kind of laggy for me when I when we played it or when I played it. Yeah. So I don't know. We we can try it out. Definitely test it out. Yep. We'll try it again. But anyway, that's what I've been playing. So it's pretty cool. cool. Nothing crazy, but I'll probably have some more games to talk about next week after we go to DreamHack this weekend. Was it? For, okay, yeah. It's $14 on the Switch and then, or $15 on the Switch, 15 on PC. So It's fourteen ninety nine everywhere. Yep. So I just make sure, man. I don't know. I don't know. I just said that. Oh, did you? I didn't hear you. <laughs> I was too busy looking it up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my just goodness. Just so you know. Well, now you guys know twice. It's fourteen ninety nine, and that's Sweet. the price of the game. So check it out. All right. Well, that's all I got. Anything else you want to talk about, Austin, for the uh, games? No, no. I haven't really been doing anything else. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the games we played. If you want to play games with us each and every week, um, you can uh, join us in our Discord channel and check out the link in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And, of course, tell all your friends or your family or your brother or your sister or your loved one or your dog or your cat or your cow. Okay. just Tell people. Don't tell animals. <laughs> tell people and animals. <laughs> Stay tuned for our gaming news. We'll be right back to talk about some Dauntless and some handheld games and Steam Chat and all that good stuff. So we'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. First up this week, we have a very interesting story. Austin, are you excited about the story? I'm totally excited about this story. Should I be excited about the story? I am excited about you, the story. You should be excited about this. this <laughs> I am excited this, about the story. If they deliver, like if they deliver on their promise here, this could be the greatest story of all time. Of all Literally time, literally one of the greatest time, of all time. Time, 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 time. So Gog. Those of you that may know of this is the digital storefront 
that was created by CD Projekt Red, the makers of the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077, as well as The Witcher 3, Austin's beloved game. And uh, GOG Galaxy is a Steam-like client that they put together that uh, really lets you do all of your GOG-related business through it. But the thing is, you can just ignore it and download your games directly from the site and run them through Windows Explorer like you did back in the olden days. So you can kind of pick and choose. Do you want to run it through the game store? Sure. If not, you don't have to. But now they've announced Galaxy 2.0. And Galaxy 2.0 is something that is pitching itself to be a tool that will combine your games, your friends, and other data in one place. So remember back in the day when we did like a making fun of uh, April Fool's Day kind of joke and Corsair brought out something that was like your Corsair launcher, game launcher, launcher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is basically a real version of it. Oh, this is awesome. But it actually, it could be good. And what they're doing here is trying to not only make their own integrations, but they're also opening up to be open source so the community can make their own integrations with systems as well. So somehow they're going to like tie those two in together where at some point you can import your libraries and friends list um, and make a big, huge overlay for Steam, Origin, etc. And it will also track all of your achievements and hours from all platforms, support cross-platform chat, and various sorting, filtering, and collection comparison options. Now, my problem with this is you have something where, you know, you, you're looking at, you know, say Apple. You know, when they came out, they were very adamant about having a closed system where nobody can gain access to their system. This allows them to control the marketplace and control the content and all that stuff, right? And with this, it it might be a little bit different, you know? Like, we're, we're looking at something where will these other companies like Origin, will they allow people to get in there and take control? Or will they not? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I mean, I'm so happy that there's going to be... Look. Well, first off, I think we're talking about how this is this is this could make GOG something worth having finally, because I had GOG for The Witcher, and it was a piece of shit at the time because downloading The Witcher three from GOG took like hours on hours, and again, I didn't have the best internet at the time. But now that I have it on Steam, it was like so easy and so easy to access and all that yeah. stuff. But I mean, having them come and do this and it being optional to have, I mean, it could be, they could be like a new Discord, honestly. Yeah, no, they really could. And they they have some pretty good options listed here that are, I mean, if, if they pull this off, it's going to be something really incredible. But it's going to take a lot of partnerships and a lot of agreements and negotiations that are going to have to go through the process in order to make this thing happen. So the fact that they're doing it, awesome. But like, it's, I'm kind of at the standpoint of, you know, I'll believe it when I see it kind of mentality. Right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping, <laughs> unlike my feelings towards Epic Games switching or like, you know, putting a wrench in, in the game space that we have for PC. Like I hope God can succeed and actually do that. <laughs> like throw a wrench in there, have origin, have, have steam, have a uh, <clears throat> blizzard. all be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah, I, I, I hope they can really make it to where it's, it's almost like our voice is being heard because yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a huge problem for other people, but I know for me and you, it's just like, I'm tired of launching five different things separately. 
Oh no, no, it's super frustrating. And we need, we needed something that can fix the problem. It's just a matter of, can it be done because everybody's so greedy and, I mean, this this is such a PC kind of focused idea that like let's make something that is for the PC that is completely open and allows everybody to add their stuff into it. So you have one platform. You're still using the other platforms. But my thing is like like what is Origin going to do or what is Steam going to do if you can add your stuff to Steam? Like w- are they going to even care to update their system anymore? Um, you know, there's no incentive at that point to make your platform better because everybody's using god galaxy so i'm like i like this idea but i'm afraid it's got it's just gonna fall apart before it ever gets anywhere because you just it's competition people want to compete with one another so you're saying they want to be like make it better than the other person so you're saying like origin for example might go in and actually make something worth having like add some features like this Potentially, yeah. Um, or they or they won't, and they'll just block off their system so that you know God can't integrate with Origin, and therefore you still have to use Origin because you know they're spending all this time with building features that allow you to patch and update and purchase software and all this stuff in that platform. Well, if if, if this existed and worked the way it did, then why build a front end user user interface for this? Why not just open it up? and just provide a database to GOG and say, here, use our stuff, you build it and manage it. They could do that, but they don't want to do that because then they're losing control of their interface. And then GOG could one day be like, oh, hey, we're going to do an Epic Steam sale and you know drop all our stuff on sale. And then all of a sudden, all these things that you've given them access to now are going to be out of your control. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it's hard, but it, I, I think this... I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like, it's like an Apple TV right now. you like, you, you can only use Netflix uh, or Netflix is the only thing that does not work with Apple TV's attempt to do this, where they built an interface that is designed to pull from all of your favorite sources. And in that case, it kind of makes sense because like there's, because of licensing agreements, there's only certain games you can get on Hulu versus, or not games, uh, you know, uh, content you can only get on hulu you can only get on amazon prime video all that stuff so in that case i get like open up your library to apple tv and apple tv has built a one use interface that can access all that content but in this case because steam and all these different platforms are selling the same game um if they're they're just going to buy it from gog at that point you know what i mean if they allow you to enter into it unless we enter into a world where what Epic Games wants, where every you know uh, launcher has their own exclusive titles. So Origin has the exclusives you can only get there, or you can integrate into GOG. Or you have you know Epic Games where you can only have Epic Games, or you integrate into GOG. So that kind of thing could work uh, because it yeah. makes sense to bring it all together. Well, okay, but, so maybe I'm missing something here. But are you saying that like through GOG Galaxy, you would be able to buy purchase stuff on other platforms or other launchers? Well, I don't know. That's that's but well, that's the uh, what's unclear okay. right now. I got you. But, well, I didn't but, think I wouldn't think that'd be possible. I mean, just like Steam, you can just add your game from a different launcher into the library so you can access it. And if God can actually do it where it can track your some of your stats, like I think that's all I would want. I I, I yeah. don't necessarily want them to access other platforms. Like 
yeah. I could care less if they do that. As long as I can get my games and have one place that tracks it, unlike Steam, it just puts it in there. Like, I'd be happy, you know. But then, but then, say like Dead Cells comes out, you know, and you have Dead Cells that it releases on Steam and then it releases on GOG. You're already using GOG as your interface to like play all of your games. Mm-hmm. Why would you go buy it on Steam when you can just buy it on GOG unless Steam lowers all their prices? Because at that point, it comes down to like a transactional like price difference. Right. But well, you'd maybe, be losing yeah. out. Steam would be losing out on sales because GOG exists and everybody's got all of their stuff inside GOG. So GOG would basically either need to, one, not allow you to purchase games to their platform, and then, therefore, you'd still have to buy from everywhere else, but you'd have one user interface that would then send out the purchases. You'd then be purchasing from each of these different vendors, or they would be competing against GOG, and if everybody's going to load their games in a GOG, you're not going to go out to buy it from Origin, even if GOG has an integration, if you can already buy it outright on GOG, I would, wouldn't think. Right, right. So that's where it gets really tricky is how do they how do they solve that problem? Right. And I don't know what the I, answer is to that. I don't know how you solve the problem. I mean, with Dead Cells, yeah. I, I, I assume it came to Steam first. So, like, if I just had it on Steam and I just want to track my game time, you know, that's one thing. Which, right. obviously, that's all I really care about, I guess. Like I'm, I'm just taking it at face value. Like it's just a place I can use to to access all of my stuff, right? Like I'm not gonna get you. I'm not gonna right now. I, in the foreseeable future, I will not buy anything on GOG unless it's Cyberpunk, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. like if you if you have like you use Discord every day, or everybody uses Discord for chat with their friends and stuff like that. If you could buy, you know, um, buy any game through Discord at the same price as Steam, would you still buy it through Steam or would you buy it through Discord? Because, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the interface with Discord. You're already using Discord all day long. Why would you want to continue to have multiple interfaces to use if you can just get it all under one interface? Right, right. And that's, that's that's, that's the only problem I see with this. Otherwise, I think it's an awesome idea because I think there's, there's so much potential here with what they can do with it um, to, to solve that stuff. It's just, they're going to have to figure out, they'd almost have to figure out a way to monetize themselves without making money off of these things, unless they get like a cut, you know, like they become like a reseller ultimately where, you know, maybe Epic games says, Oh yeah, we'll allow you to sell Fortnite stuff, but you, we get a cut of that, but then they're not going to want to do that. Cause it's just, this is a lot of politics and like, like money stuff that gets in the way of that. I don't know. I mean, I love this idea. I think it's awesome, and I'm I'm hoping it works out. I just see so many like problems that could arise just from a financial, you know, business standpoint that are gonna set it up for disaster. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Again, like I use Steam because it has a bunch. Obviously, it has a bunch of features. It's well rounded, like like the launcher wise and what it offers. And then most of my games are on Steam, so it's like, why wouldn't I do that? But I mean, if it could take everything from all of my launchers i would use gog galaxy and then like like i use discord like i don't use discord for the games they offer i use discord because i'm gonna chat and it's a lot better and at this point i guess man a habit and (laughs) i'm getting older like i don't want to just switch over to i mean steam has come a long way now with its capabilities of you know chatting with friends and stuff but i'd rather just use discord you know yeah i don't know but i mean like you know but i mean 
part of that reason is because they're available in Steam and they're not available in Discord. Like not everything's available to buy in Discord. So like that might be like if you could buy all the games you could buy in Steam right now in Discord, like you might do that because you're already in there. If there's no like bullshit like you know return policies and stuff like that. So that's that's something that's like kind of is worrisome. It's like how does that play into the factor? But I don't know. Anyway, um, there's a lot tell. to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I want to see more when the the, pri- the private beta comes out. We'll definitely have to give it a, give it a try and see what it's all about and uh, jump into it. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, next story we have Dauntless is the first game to launch with PS4 crossplay. This is surprising. So they joined forces with Fortnite and Rocket League as cross-play games, but they're the first one to launch with PS4 cross-play. So now, if you download and play the free-to-play co-op action RPG Dauntless, you can play not only with Xbox players and PC players, you can also play with PS4 players, regardless of what platform you're on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's actually really awesome. It's good because I don't think you. I mean, it's not a, like a very competitive game in the sense of multiplayer, but right. I mean, just team up with people. I don't see why. Yeah, it's co op stuff. Yeah, yeah. No reason to not do that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm like, just surprised that PS4 finally was like, oh yeah, like these guys can have it. <laughs> I think. I, I mean, I think they've been on that that leaf for a while. It's like, how are we going to initiate this? And then maybe maybe they're just the perfect platform to launch it on. I don't know, but hey, man, it's free to play. We should play it on uh, PS4 now. Yeah, we could stream yeah. it or something. I don't know. We could, we could, we could play it everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. It's pretty Except awesome. Except for Epic Game Store. That's also on the Epic Game Store. No, I know. So you I got the beta. I don't know if that transfers over to the Epic Game Store or not. I have to look into that. I don't know. Probably not. It's probably tied to because there's that game launcher that they brought out with it, right? And I don't know how that all works, but Check I don't out. think the progress would carry over. I think it would just be everything That's else. Fine. But I don't know. People are liking it though. They said it's really good. When I played the alpha or whatever it was that we got at the PAX right. down there, um, right. the hub world that they had created was really buggy. But oh man. So laggy. The yeah, it was really really laggy and just didn't really work very well. But it sounds like people are really really digging this game, so I'm glad to hear that they're having some good success. And um, yeah, there's 50 levels of content and um, lots of stuff to experience. And for those that don't know what Dauntless is, it's basically like Monster Hunter, but free to play and Overwatch-esque. a little bit simpler, more accessible. Yeah, Overwatch kind of look to it. So okay. it's, uh, it's right. pretty sweet. All right, Brett, look. Look, Brett. What? I'm going to make a deal with you. Oh, no. If we play it on PC and stream it, I will play it on the Epic Game Store because it's free. I mean, I don't really care to play it on the Epic Game Store if I can get it on Steam and stuff like that. I don't think you can. Or, no, you can get it like at different places, I think. I think it's you exclusive just... to Epic Game Store. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll look it up right now. So the (laughs) one of the don't list does not exist on Steam. Oh my gosh, you are right. Yep, I'm telling you. Oh my gosh, this is some bull. 
hooey, I think. <laughs> because Brett's like in Chicago and I'm in Texas in my computer room, we can like look stuff up almost instantaneously without having to worry too much about some lag time. So that's I feel nice. Like we do that before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in the same room before, you know. Like okay, in so the same room. Usually I don't do it because I'm like, it's gonna take too long and we're on camera. Yeah, so those that don't know is that like like Austin said, we're in two different places right now. I am sitting here on my laptop at my hotel room in Chicago because I'm on a trip and we were like, we can't podcast, but we know that we have some loyal fans that listen to us all the time every single week. Yes, you know who I'm talking to. You're listening right now. You hear me, you hear my voice. So we're like, I'm gonna bring my equipment up here and Austin borrowed some of the equipment from my house and we're playing in two different cities and doing this podcast and it's great all over discord oh yeah i was like oh shit i lost austin <laughs> there goes the first fail uh anyway all right, all right so that's dauntless that's pretty awesome all right so this other thing here is kind of weird i don't really fully understand this but it's interesting so i want to include it so the publishers of firewatch um they are called uh, Panic, app developer Panic. And they apparently published Firewatch and the Untitled Goose Game. Well, they really re announced on Twitter that um, they have a Game Boy-like unit that's being released that comes with 12 games and um, that released over a period of 12 weeks from developers like Katamari Damacy creator Kita Takahashi and getting over it with Bennett Foddy creator of Bennett Foddy or something like that. But anyway, it's this little handheld thing called a Playdate, and it has a crank on the side of it that you think would like allow you to get more power, but it doesn't. It's just like a gameplay mechanic in some games, but it's this little yellow thing, and it's very cute looking and simple, and I don't understand it, but it's interesting. So it's coming out in 2019, and it's going to have 12 games, and it's a little handheld Game Boy looking thing. That's yellow. Awesome. What do you think? Uh, I'm not going to get this. What if it was like $10? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I, I got so much stuff that I'm doing right now. I don't need this. I just don't need it. Uh, I don't need it. Yeah. Did I just well, ruin all this for you? Ruin everything. <laughs> ruin all of it. <laughs> Uh, sorry, man. I'm not excited. I got the Switch. Um, That's all I need, bro. Okay? That's all I need. Well, I mean, yeah, the Switch is pretty great. Just saying, man. I know. It's it's pretty awesome. Well, that's cool. Well, I just want to put it out there and just let everybody know, like, hey, there's this thing called a play date. It's really awesome. And you should check it out because <laughs> it's pretty interesting. And it's coming out this year. And if you just want something cheap, I'm sure it's going to be like 150 bucks. maybe. It might be $100. Hopefully, it's just $100. But it looks kind of cool. And yeah, look it up. It's on Game Informer. So there you have it, folks. All right, last but not least. Uh, Steam has released a new app. I thought they were dead in app development because their Steam app that they have now on the App Store is really shoddy and has been the same design and layout for like, I don't know, five years and hasn't updated it and it's so hard to buy steam sales because it sucks well they decided instead of updating their steam app they instead release a brand new app called steam chat and this allows you to basically take your steam friends and groups and conversations wherever you want to go and it includes everything from a friends list 
to rich chat with gifts, videos, tweets, giphys, Steam emoticons, and more. Invite links to add new friends on Steam with just a link. Customizable notifications for mobile so you never miss a message or game invite. And group chats to get everybody on the same page. Does this sound a lot like Discord? Yes, it does because it's Discord. <laughs> Except by Steam. <laughs> Except so, by Steam. You know, you're a little late to the game there, buddy. But now you can go back to Steam and just use Steam Chat and try and convince all your friends to ditch Discord and come back to Steam for chat. And then you can buy your games and chat all on the same platform. It's amazing. Mm. All yeah, I got to say crazy. is I don't think that's likely. And at this point, chatting on steam for me is just dead i'm sure it's fine but it's just dead to me yeah they're trying and i i mean the app looks really nice like it looks really good and i like that they're adding these features in here but it's they they really screwed up by not jumping on that bandwagon because they had such a good and they could have caught this ahead of time you know and like captured this moment but they never really did they kind of just let they got comfortable with their app as it stood and never really did much to it. And then discord came out. I was like, Hey, we can design a better looking thing that works way better, but you can still use steam to play your games, but come to use us for chat and everything else you want to do. And it just kind of hurt, hurt steam. And now they're, it took them, you know, how long has discord been out a couple of years now and here this app just arrived and it's a mobile app. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. It's kind of surprising. But they also said they're looking to include voice chat, but they don't have it in here yet. So, yeah. And they also confirmed that the original Steam app will receive significant updates centered around security and one-touch login to QR codes. Well, that's I don't care about that. I want it to not be a web browser <laughs> inside of a game app because that's literally what it is. They took a web browser client and put it inside of a, a App Store app. So it's super slow and choppy because it's not natively running off your computer. It's like basically pulling content off the web and loading it into your app. And it's dumb. I hate it. That's my rant for the day. That's going to wrap up our video game news for today, everybody. Hey, I wasn't done talking. Okay, continue. Okay, I'm done. If you want to watch these in video format, you can't because we didn't record them in video format. But what you can do is you can go to youtube.com slash gamer and watch Brett, all of our Brett, other awesome videos Brett, that are out there. Brett, what? These, what? There will be some videos. We just won't have our faces this time. Oh, are you going to do that? I am going to do that. Okay, well, there's going to be videos for this. If you want to watch these in video format, you can go to youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe to get the videos as they launch. You won't see our beautiful faces this time, but you will see better and better stuff because it's not our faces it's actual like game stuff so that's cool that's gonna be a lot of work man i don't know how you're gonna do that like how are you gonna find like 20 minutes worth of conversation about play chat play date like damn just and then just god wait. galaxy you're just gonna be like all right i'm just gonna record this screenshot for 20 <laughs> minutes and that's gonna be what it's you called see movie magic bread movie magic okay just make sure there's a freaking explosion there somewhere and that'll be perfect <laughs> that's all we need okay you got it just all wait. right so with that, we're going to wrap up this segment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our video game discussion. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Hello and welcome back. Each week we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry. And this week we're going to talk about an article that came out on Kotaku a couple weeks ago. And it was written by Joshua Rivera. And it's called... 
in easy mode has never ruined a game. And this was in reference to a uh, just discussion opinion article on Sekiro's Shadows Die Twice, in which in Sekiro, um, you don't have easy mode. There's just one mode. You turn it on and you play it. And if you suck at it, you don't play it. And if you're good at it, you hate yourself. So that's what you're working with with Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, right? Austin, you agree? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's a Souls game, so it's fucking hard. Like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, like all of them, super hard. Yeah. All that stuff. Oh, yeah. So there's arguments that like, you know, they shouldn't have modes to them. They should be as they are because that's how they're meant to be played. But this article is basically arguing the opposite in that an easy mode is not going to hurt a game. Yeah, you might miss some stuff in the game, you know, because part of what makes a Souls game a Souls game is it's super difficult. But does that also, like my, my com- complaint about it, it's not a complaint, but my concern about it is if you took away the difficulty of Sekiro or Bloodborne or Dark Souls, would it be good? And if an easy mode would make it less good of a game, then that means the game itself is missing, is, is miss, has some problems inherently because taking out this component, I feel like shouldn't hurt the game because you're still playing through the game. You're st- there's still going to be enemies coming at you. There's still going to be some sense of challenge there, but it'll be a little bit easier, a little bit more forgiving, but you're still playing through the story. You still got the gameplay, all that stuff. So by it being hard, yes, it gives it a sense of identity, but at the same time, it's, I don't think it needs to always be that hard because you still get the experience of the game in most cases. I don't know how you feel about that. Like what, what are your thoughts on easy mode, hard modes or just modes in general? Yeah. I've been thinking about it for a little bit now, ever since I read that article and I'm kind of torn by it because like Uncharted 4 is a good example of obviously I not only did I want to play it because it was a good game, but I wanted to get through enough of it so we could talk about it on the podcast. And normal mode became too hard. And I was like, I'm getting stuck left and right. Like it's taking me an hour or whatever, you know, some extended amount of time just to get through certain areas of missions. And uh, you know, it's it's a pretty story based game and it's something that I really wanted to get through and you know, watch these cutscenes and see how the characters evolve through the story. So I switch it to easy. Now, at the same time, there's something to be said about from software games that it's difficult and you get a badge of honor for completing these games or even getting any inkling of how to get past and, and like, you know, dying over and over again and coming to a realization of, oh, I can do this or I can try that. Or if I do this or do this combination or whatever, you know, you know, you, you get that, you feel accomplished. Like you've actually done something. And I completely understand with from software games that some people go completely crazy because it's like, shit, this stuff's hard. I can sit here for two to three hours, you know, <laughs> maybe days trying to get pat past a boss. And it's just, it's not clicking. And, but I think that's pretty awesome as much as I'm a story guy at this point in time, there was a time where I, I just, I, I was like this, I'm going to play a normal difficulty. As far as I'm concerned, like this is what the developers wanted this game to be played at. And I'm going to play it all the way through, regardless of, you know, how long it's going to take me. Cause that's, that's just yeah. how it's supposed to be played. And now I'm just like, I, I see both sides. And for one, like, you know, you have plenty of options. 
there's no reason to play a from software game if it's just too hard for you. In the article, the guy was talking about someone having some uh, disabilities. Um, um, like having issue like joints getting achy and having some kind of uh, like you get too stressed yeah, out with my with my chronic pain and fatigue issues. Rapidly matching buttons in games like Bayonetta or God of War can be physically draining. That's um, true, but yeah. man, in this day and age, there's so many games that you can be playing. I don't see any reason you should get hung up on not being able to play or beat these games. Uh, but I mean. I, I guess I'm a hypocrite too because <laughs> sometimes I want to set it to easy mode. So I'm torn, man. Like, I don't know what's the right answer here. Yeah. I mean, I'm the kind of player that when I start a game, unless it's something that I like, well, really no real reason. Otherwise, like, if I'm going to play a game, I'm going to put it on easy or normal because I don't want to get to a point in the game where I'm getting frustrated and going to want to quit and stop. Now, granted, there are some games out there that, that, I know when I enter into them, are they going to be difficult? Um, I'd say the ones that come to recent memory are Celeste and Katana Zero. Those are hard games by default, by nature. There's no difficulty settings in those. And there was some satisfaction to them that because there was just enough repetition and you didn't have to go back and restart like so far back in the storyline um, when you died, there was some like satisfaction in it's in the mechanic itself of dying a lot that gave me like happiness and joy whenever I accomplished that, you know, level. So in that case, the difficulty itself becomes a gameplay mechanic that sells the game better. And I can see that argument come with Sekiro and from software games because that has that but i just didn't have that same appeal when i played those games because i felt like when i died i was just like super pissed off because i spent so much time trying to kill this guy and then i die so like there's there's that length of time in there that was spent that was so much longer than a celeste level where you die repeatedly but it's like you know short one minute stints as opposed to you know what could be like 20 minutes fighting a boss and then they kill you with like one stab you're like son of a bitch so like for me that frustrates me a lot and uh you know when that happens like i want to have a normal or an easy that i can drop down to because ultimately i want to play the story and i want to enjoy it and there's there's still a little i mean there's a tight tight hint of challenge in some cases but in most cases i can like kind of breeze my way through it and it doesn't doesn't bother me so but i don't think it takes away the experience in any way but i can see the argument for the other side of like okay yeah in this moment it makes sense. Like difficulty is an important part of it, but it doesn't hurt anything. Like a lot of people say like, Oh, they're like, Oh, you should never play this game on easy because why are you playing the game? Well, it's, you know, you're, you're there for more than just the difficulty. You know, if it's a gameplay focused game, sure. Like maybe you just want that, but, um, that's not the only reason you're always there. Right. And from software games are very unique in the way that they have a very cryptic story and it takes multiple playthroughs, I feel like, to get the full picture. Wow, if you yeah. play Uncharted 4, like you're going to get you know, a pretty straightforward story. Beginning, middle, end. You don't have to piece too much together. There might be some hidden stuff along the way that gives you some insight into certain things. But nothing that you know, switching it to any difficulty is really going to screw up unless, you, I mean, if that's what you want, you know, that's what you get. 
So, yeah. I mean, we're in an oh. area where there's many types of experiences, and I just I leave it to the developers to decide you know what I should be playing it as. You know, if they put easy mode in there, I'll probably play easy mode if I'm trying to get past a certain part. Um, yeah, and like on from software games, like that's fine. Like I'm totally fine not playing those games and then going and watching someone else play them for me. Especially with Twitch, like there's no reason why you can't do that. I mean, I understand why. I mean, I still don't get why people watch people play games, but you know, if you're stuck in a part or get to a game, it's just like, what was that one game you played not too long ago that you just stopped playing because it was just kind of ridiculous on the Switch? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I don't remember. I'm blanking. Let me look it up for you, Brett, because we have a lovely website called innergamer.net that you can go and oh, click on. Oh, the last listen. day of June. The last day of June. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some games that's just like the gameplay isn't doing it for you, but yeah, there is a good story there. And yeah, you- and that's what that game was. Is it wasn't like you know necessarily difficult. It was just frustrating because there was so much repetition and what you had to do that I started to lose the edge in the gameplay. Um, but like you know something that I think is interesting is like for me when I jump into a game like say Wolfenstein: The New Colossus, like they have difficulty levels that from what I've noticed with their difficulty settings is like the higher you put the difficulty your AI might like do a little bit more damage, but what they also do is remove the amount of health in the, in the map and like, you know, remove the amount of like droppable items you can pick up. But like for me, like I will play that game on easy because I want it for the experience and the story. And then if I really enjoyed that game and find it to be the kind of game that like got me really excited, I'll go back to the beginning and turn up the difficulty. And I know that you and Travis used to do that back in the day of Halo, like you probably played it initially, like on normal. I would imagine. I, I, mean, I think. Uh, wrong, but yeah, yeah, we played on normal. <laughs> we were like, you know what? Let's play it again. So we put it like we're gonna go all. The, we're gonna go through all the tiers. Like that was our objective. So we went yeah. through easy. Then we went to normal. Then we went to the you know more the harder. Then we went to heroic or what legendary or whatever. And it was yeah. like a badge of honor for us to get through the story, like doing it that way. And apparently heroic is the way it was meant to be played. So at least we played through that. And it's like, if you have a game that you really like, like you're going to go play it multiple times. So having those other settings really helps. I feel like for replayability, um, when I guess they're not really there for replayability. Yep. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, I, I think, and then right there too, like you got more time out of it. Like, you know, if, if they hadn't put those difficulties in there, you would not have played it five times. You know, you would have probably just played it once, maybe twice. But you, you'd, if you didn't have that added difficulty tier, you would not have gone back to play it. So I think having those options in there, you know, tends to add, like, look at Destiny. When Destiny came out, like, if you, I mean, if, if you just had one level of difficulty and you played through the story campaign, you're not, that's, you're done. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah. But then they put in incentives for you to go back and play again at harder difficulties. And um, you know, that that that's just part of like I think difficulty is great, but it's not bad to play easy mode either because some people prefer that and want that. And then by having tiers of difficulty, you can then go back because you learn from every every level you're playing. So you start out easy. You learn the mechanics, you understand the game, you get a feel for how it plays. You go back again, you can turn up that difficulty, and then it feels like you've you've leveled up at that point. And now you're at a different tier, you know, a whole different 
you know, level of, uh, of skill that you didn't have when you first started that game. So having that stuff in there, I think is really important because it makes you a better player as well. Right. Right. So that's kind of interesting. So whereas with Sekiro, there was no difficulty in there. Like you're losing players like me who are just like, I know it's hard. I don't want to play a hard game, so I'm not going to play it. But if they made it a little bit easier, I play through it and then might go back again and play like certain boss levels or something and be like, I want to play this again, but turn up the difficulty a little bit because now I understand how to master it. Right. And right. can do better. So I'm going to ask you so, a hard question, Brett. Okay. Should developers put in difficulty levels or whatever, however they want to adjust difficulty, quote unquote, whatever that means for people with disabilities. Now, I, I, the article says this guy has chronic pain and fatigue issues. Like that's a disability, but that's more of like a nuisance. I wouldn't say that's an actual disability. And I think that's a bad, bad example for disability because there's people who literally can't use their hands and stuff and literally play with joysticks that they use with their mouth and their head, which is pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another example before I let you answer is that you see people who are beating, you know, Dark Souls with fucking uh, rock band drum drum set stuff. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like this, some of the stuff's crazy. So, I mean, yeah. what do you think? So, like, basically, the question is, like, should there be difficulty just for if nothing else, accessibility? Accessibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I completely agree because again, it goes back to the same thing. Like for me. You know, I'm not playing. Um, I'm not playing my. Um, you know, Sekiro is too hard. But for people like like this guy that was talking about his chronic pain that he has, he's not playing it because it is literally harder for him than a normal person because of his disability. So, if you have an easier mode, it's it becomes like you know if he drops down from like the normal mode to easy mode, well now it becomes the same level of difficulty as it would be for the standard player. So yeah, I think that makes perfect sense because you're gonna. It just opens you up to having more options to get more people behind your game to play your game and enjoy the experience that you put out there. Right. Um, right. I think it just yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I. I guess some people. I mean, it's difficult probably to put that stuff in there because you have to code, you know, different sets of complexity to the game. Um, I don't know how much work that entails, but. Um, I don't know. I I think I think every game should have difficulty settings. And, you know, there's different ways you can approach it and how you implement it. But I think it's, it's, it would keep, allow me to play. I would be playing more games if they were in every game. Right. Right. Like yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn is another one. Like there was a part where I got to a point where I was just too hard and there's no level change, like difficulty changes in there. I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> so Wait. I quit. Oh, you didn't finish it? No. Interesting. Got too hard. I was Very like, screw this. I'm done. I'm done. But then again, it also could be like, you know, games like that, RPGs and stuff. The argument could be said, well, you just didn't spec your your you know character right. You know, you didn't apply enough to this versus that, and therefore your character is just weaker. So there's that's a whole another conversation about difficulty there because really it could come down to you just didn't build your character correctly to be prepared for the right styles at this point in time. Right. Right. But Interesting. you can't fault the player for that necessarily. Right, right. So yeah. what, do you, what do you say to From Software? Or, you know, the guys who made Horizon Zero Dawn? 
I say put in difficulty settings, <laughs> add that, uh, that extra crutch in there. So like, right. you know, even if you, because like what I would do, like I liked it whenever, because back in the day, games never had the ability to change difficulty on the fly. It was always changing difficulty at the beginning of the game. And that was it. It was set. But like, I don't want to always feel like, you know, I enter into a game and then because I'm playing easy mode, like that's going to be my life for the rest of the game. Like I want to be able to turn up the volume a little bit and play a harder difficulty later on. But, you know, you know, adjust it on the fly so I can go into, I think Wolfenstein has this where you can adjust the difficulty I per level. So. I believe so. So yeah. if you want to go back to like make it harder for this level and more like easier for this level, you can do that. And I like, I like that ability because, you know, just a level just might be too hard for you because of whatever part of the brain it's using. And then you just can't complete it, turn the difficulty down. You get through that frustrating part and then turn it back up again later on. And then you're back to normal game and you're fine. Right. Um, right. So, well, yeah. I think I think there's a payoff uh, using from software because it's so pr- predominant um, to having to do stuff over and over and over again. Like you do get better. Like I can say, like with confidence, I'm a better gamer from experiencing what bloodborne and dark souls 3 has to offer and going through that and really being like oh there is a method to this madness and taking the time to explore the options that i have through death and that has really helped me get through other games that i've played that aren't anywhere near as difficult as from software games yeah and i feel like it's it's allowed me to open my yeah similar kind of kind of you you learn from trying right and then over time like you get better and better at it but it just for me it's like a time thing exactly like yeah. If you yeah. yeah it's you know from software games are just a little bit too much time spent for each death for me to feel like okay i'm just gonna do this again because i'm after like three times i'm like okay i'm done like i don't want to do this 25 more times it's too frustrating i've invested too much time i'm just i just give up Right. Celeste, it's like each one of those segments is like two minutes long. So I'm okay with playing two minutes long 20 times to get through a level because, you know, it's much less time invested into that, that those failures right. to learn how to get better and advance to it. So right. it's just, I mean, everybody's different. You know, they, they react to things differently and how they, they approach it. But I think having the flexibility in the game um, is probably a good thing. Like, right, right just to to let leave it to the player to decide how they want to play your game right because that's ultimately what they're doing you're giving because you made a game instead of a movie there's a reason you made a game not a movie because you wanted the player to do something and interact with this world and you know if you're restricting them i mean you know more power to you that's what you want to have but i think i think it's it's nice to to open it up and Give people options. Give players options. That's why they're playing the game. They want choice and options to right. to make it craft their experience. I will say I'm glad that this isn't an issue with a lot of games. It's only a handful. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, for sure. Because I think this would be a completely different conversation <laughs> if this wasn't the case. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with having a handful of games being set to one difficulty level. Yeah, no, um, me too. They're just yeah, it's games I just won't won't play. But yeah, there's a yeah. people out there that just that's that's what they're all about, and they love it, and it's awesome. So mm-hmm. cool. Well, I think that's all I got in that conversation. Yeah, that, that good for you. 
Yeah, the accessibility right. is key. Choice is, is key. I um, agree. Epic Game Store. <clears throat> exactly. 100%. <laughs> um, so if you guys have any comments or suggestions for this conversation, uh, let us know. Go to our website, theinnergamer.net, and you can click contact and drop us a line and let us know. If you want to contribute to next week's segment, give us a topic you want to hear about, do the same thing, theinnergamer.net, and click the contact button. Or you can just go to our social media channels and send us a message or join our Discord in the show notes and tell us in there. All those options work really well. We are going to take a quick break and come back with our video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week. Let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We have three games coming out, one of which is closing out the month of May and two of which are opening up the month of June. Yes, we are in a transition month right now. This is going to be crazy. We are about to enter into the world of E3. It's going to get nuts. But on May 31st, on PS4 and PlayStation VR, we have Trover Saves the Universe. This is from the co-creator of Rick and Morty, Justin Roiland. This is Trover Saves the Universe. Your pups are missing. The cosmos is at stake. Only you and Trover can save everything in this bizarre comedy adventure. It looks zany, and I am going to buy it. In addition, on June 4th, we have two games coming out. If you are a big fan of the Elder Scrolls Online franchise, there's a new entry into the Elder Scrolls Online, and it is called The Elder Scrolls Elsewhere. This is on PC, Elsewhere. PS4, and Xbox One. Yeah. It looks like Elsewhere, but it's probably Elsewhere. I, don't it, know. It, I, I know. I'm Elder Scrolls Elsewhere. guy. Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Okay, that's weird. cool. <laughs> it's Elsewhere. Dragons Return to Tamriel and The Elder Scrolls Elsewhere. Part of the season, the dragon year-long adventure. Explore the savannas and canyons of elsewhere. Defend the home of the awesome. What's this? Uh, how do you pronounce this? Kajit. Uh, yes. Hey, you got it. That was actually good. From an ancient evil and command the undead with a necromancer class. So that is coming out. Austin, are you going to get this? Are you going to play this because you're a big Elder Scrolls fan? Mm, no. Wow. What a fan over there. Jeez. Way to be a fan. I'm just kidding. Give me a hard time. It's okay. No one's gonna be it a happens. cat, man. Uh, that's true. <laughs> just kidding. That is very true. Uh, I'm yeah, sure there's a lot of people want to be a cat, man. Maybe, maybe. Um, I heard that they're making Batwoman. Did you hear about that coming out on a uh, freaking uh, CW? Batwoman, new TV show. Is that a video game? No, it's a TV show. Oh, yeah, new Great. TV show, Batwoman. It's being made by the CW. Yeah, I saw. It's, it's on the CW, so I don't care. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> also on the fourth, Warhammer Chaos Bane on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. In a world ravaged by war and dominated by magic, you must rise up to face the Chaos Hordes. Playing solo or with up to four players in local or online co-op, choose a hero in four character classes and prepare for epic battles wielding some of the most powerful artifacts of the old world. For those of you that don't know exactly what this is, this is a Warhammer game being developed by Eco Software, and it is literally the first ever hack and slash set in the warhammer fantasy world so this is like a diablo style looter hack and slash game in warhammer world lore with co-op four character classes all that good stuff awesome what do you think about this mm-hmm. it's interesting i don't know if i'll get it immediately but we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens all right so that's all coming out june 4th and with that, that's going to wrap up our podcast this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday. Literally, it'll be on Tuesday. For more from your favorite video game podcast, 
Visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And don't forget, if you're in Dallas this weekend, we will be at DreamHack Dallas. Come on by. Or actually shoot us a tweet or a Facebook message or an Instagram message and come find us. We'll be at all kinds of events all weekend, so we'll be there. Come look for us. Let's hang out, do some stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website at theinnergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation on our Discord channel. Check out the show notes for that link. I'm Awesome Morales. And I'm Brett Yanoski. And you've been listening to the Intergamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. say that is that okay that's fine fine? that's fine is that cool that's cool i I let you cue the music this time yeah 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 yeah, that's right i do every time yeah yeah cue it now austin cue it cue it why isn't starting start it start it and you start okay yeah that's it okay yeah 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 dream hectors dream hack dream hack dream hack dollars we'll be there at dream hack dream hack dollars dream hack